Hi, I'm Edwards Three, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Living a truly Catholic life can be very challenging in an unchristian world. There's so many forces and pressures constantly coming at us, whether it's from the government, from uh, the workplace, or from the media we follow. And, uh, and everything just seems to be pointing in a different direction, not supporting true Christian values. And it could be really hard to, to try to remain faithful to Christ, to live as a true Christian in the midst of a very secular world. Some of us who are parents may be especially concerned. How do I make sure I, I'm building a good Catholic culture in my home and that my children are, are deeply rooted in the faith because they're going to face so many pressures and challenges from the secular world around us? Well, this week, the Catholic Church celebrates the feast of a great saint who can help us navigate the challenges of living in an unchristian culture. Uh, this is a saint you've probably heard of before. You may be familiar with the uh, many monasteries that he founded. You may be familiar with his famous rule of life. You may be familiar with how the order he started ended up serving many Catholic schools and parishes and hospitals, the commitment they have to education. You may be familiar with their commitment to prayer and to work or at Labora. You may be familiar with their love and devotion to the liturgy. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about the great Saint Benedict and the many Benedictine monks and sisters uh, who've touched millions of souls over the last several, several centuries, going all the way back to his lifetime in between the fifth and sixth centuries. So we're going to talk about Saint Benedict today, and this is personal to me on a couple levels. Partly because I was blessed to work at a Catholic school. My first teaching post as a professor was at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. So shout out to all the Ravens who might be listening there. Um, it was such a blessing to teach there for nine years. And uh, and it was a blessing to pray with them, to work with them. So I learned a lot about the Benedictine life from, from my time there. But it's also dear to my heart for something I want to share with you today. And that is about how I got to go to a place called Subiaco this last year. It's a place in the mountains outside of Rome. I had been there before, but it's been 10 years since I've been to this sacred place. It's a place where St. Benedict came to pray. And he, he spent a lot of time there praying and fasting and choosing to live a different kind of life from the pagan world around him. You may not realize this, but St. Benedict lived in a time of cultural crisis. He lived in a period where the, the Christian values and the values that had held Rome together for many centuries were falling apart. Barbarians had invaded the land and, and, and there's just a lot of debauchery, a lot of decadence, and there's all these forces working against Christian faith. And Benedict had to wrestle with that. How do we navigate living a truly Christian life in an unchristian world? We're going to take a look at what St. Benedict has to offer us in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree, and as I mentioned, Benedict has been on my heart, not just because it's his feast day here this week, but also because of this little pilgrimage I was able to make this last year. So I was there with some of the crew from Ascension this last year as we were filming for that video series I mentioned back in June uh, that I have my new study that's out called When You Pray, A Clear Path to a Deeper Relationship with God. And in the series, we're exploring many different saints and going to many of their relics or tombs and places they visited all throughout Italy. But one of the unique places we got to go was Subiaco. Most most Catholics have never been to Subiaco, and it, it's an incredible experience. So again, it's, it's you, know, you probably drive a, a, about an hour and a half outside of Rome, and you're, you're, go, you're on a main highway for a while, and then you're going on these back roads winding between the big hills, and then you eventually go up to this 
town called Subiaco, and you go past the town, you're going up this mountain, then you get to the monastery, but you can't even drive all the way up to the monastery itself. You have to park down here, and you're walking up, up, up further. People are carrying equipment up here, and it's out in the middle of nowhere. But it was so quiet, serene, beautiful. I, I could see why Benedict would want to go there. And later, the, the Benedictines built a, a beautiful monastery in the cliff right there, but you can go to the cave where St. Benedict lived. And he lived there for a number of years, and this is where he prayed, and this is where he sought interior renewal so that he can help bring about a greater renewal in the world around us. And I think there's a great lesson that we can take there. And it was so moving for me to be able to go and pray at that spot again uh, and just kneel down to touch the very rocks where Benedict had lived for all these years. And and I'm going to tell you about what he did in a moment, but, but you know, he lived a quiet life where he pulled back from the world but it was by pulling back that he can become a source of influence for the world. And that, that's what I want to take a look at, this idea that if we want to be a source of good, a source of influence, if we want to be light in this time of darkness, we need to be able to pull back from the world a little bit so we can go out and give the light of Christ to a world of increasing darkness. So this is just one of the themes that we look at uh, in, in this study I have called When You Pray, A Clear Path to a Deeper Relationship with God, because we're talking about the life of prayer. We're talking about growing in trust and growing in surrender, finding healing from our weaknesses and sins and uh, how we can uh, really be transformed in Jesus Christ. But one of the key things that all the saints will tell us, St. Benedict is one of many, is that we can't take in too much of the world and we can't underestimate the influence of the world on our mind and on our hearts. And we got to be very cautious about what we take in from the world, especially, again, I'm going to mention to the parents here, when we're forming children, especially those formative years, you know, coming up through junior high and early high school, these are really important times to be very careful about what we allow from the world into our home, into the mind, the imagination of our children, the social settings they're in, their environment, their friend groups. We have to be very intentional because if, if we just let the world too much in, we just give our kids a smartphone, for example, and you know, hope everything's just going to be okay. That's very dangerous. Uh, St. Benedict is going to offer us a lot of wisdom. So you ready? I want to tell the story of, of St. Benedict here. But before I do that, if you want to learn more about this study, by the way, um, the When You Pray study, you can go to ascensionpress.com slash when you pray, and you can use it for family study. You can use it for a men's group, a women's group, a Bible study group. Again, that's ascensionpress.com slash when you pray. And they have a free trailer video. You can see the beautiful footage. You should just go. If you never get the study, you're probably never going to get a chance to go to Subiaco. Most Christians, it's a hard, remote place to go to. You got to see the beautiful monastery that's there and the cave where he dwelt. It's it's such a historic place. So if, if nothing else, just watch the trailer video there at, at, at the ascensionpress.com website slash when you pray. And the trailer's for free. You can see Subiaco, see the images of where St. Benedict was in the cave. This is a turning point in the history of the world. It happened right there at Subiaco. Let, let me tell you the story of Benedict here. So as I mentioned, he's living in a time of cultural crisis He's living in that period straddling the 5th and 6th century, and this is at the time of, of the collapse of the, the great Roman Empire. And there's all this social upheaval, cultural upheaval, and all, the values that had held Rome together for centuries were, were crumbling as barbarians were invading the land. Uh, and so as a young man, Benedict, uh, he grew up outside of Rome, but then came into the city for his studies. So he went to university there, but... 
when he got into Rome, he witnessed the debauchery of decadent Rome. And he, and he saw all that was happening there, the lack of virtue, the immorality, the self-centeredness. He saw the way of life and, and he, he knew that that, that that was starting to influence his heart. And, and, he, and he wanted to be faithful to, to Jesus. He wanted to be a faithful Catholic. What does he do? But he's seeing the pull and he's seeing how this is captivating his mind, his attention, and what this could do to him. So he made the radical decision to step aside from the mainstream culture. And he came to that place, I've been telling you, Subiaco, those quiet mountains outside of Rome. And he chose to live a very different kind of life there. He, in fact, by doing this, he became one of the most important influences the world has ever known. The simple move of stepping back a little bit from the culture, St. Gregory the Great was his biographer, one of the early biographers, that says that, that Benedict had, when he was in Rome and he was there in his studies, he had one foot in the world and he saw the world and he saw all the debauchery and, and he saw the lure of the world. He saw the effect it could have on our soul. And, and so he has one foot in the world, but here he chooses to take one, one foot back, one step back from the world. Now, I want to be clear. Benedict isn't running away from the world. That's not what we're talking about here. But he, he is prudently pulling back a little bit from the world. And because he did this, he becomes one of the greatest influencers in the world. We got to talk about Catholic influencers out there. If you want to be an influencer, you want to be someone that influences the world, your workplace, your parish. You want to influence your own children, your community. You want to be the kind of person that makes a difference in this world for Jesus Christ, then you have to be willing to pull back from the world and, and do some hard things, to be a little weird, a little different uh, than, than others. We're not just going to take in the lifestyles of the mainstream culture around us. Benedict didn't want that. And as a result of him daring to live a different kind of life, his famous rule of life inspires hundreds of monasteries to be formed and, and that quickly spread throughout Europe after his lifetime. And, and they become a, a great light in that time of darkness. And, and they offer an alternative way of life that's much more attractive than the ways of the world around them. But what I highlight here is that he stepped back from the mainstream culture. And as he did that, he can experience an interior renewal so that then he could be a force of renewal to the world around him. In other words, he has to renew his own soul. He has to make sure his own soul is properly set in order with Christ at the center before he could go out and be a source of influence. And I think Benedict has a lot to offer us today. In fact, to help you see that this isn't just my excitement about St. Benedict, I'm going to tell you about a recent hero of ours, well, at least mine, I would say Pope Benedict, uh, was, was a great theologian, a great writer, and he took the name Pope Benedict based off of St. Benedict, because Pope Benedict saw that we're living in a similar time. We're living in a time between two eras. We're living in a time where the, the Christian world that we've, that we've been living in uh, for, uh, for, for many, many centuries, what we had was it was a Christian culture, but in the last couple of centuries, that Christian culture has been dismantled, and increasingly so. The Christian values that held Western civilization for over a millennia have been rejected, set aside. They've been dismantled one by one. It's like every month we hear of some new crazy thing. We say, I can't believe they're doing that. <laughs> uh, and well, that, that, it's, it's because we're, we're losing all the, the basic roots of our Christian culture. People may still, there may be still a handful of people that are going to church and they believe in God, but they're influenced very much by the ways of this world. And so we're living in a similar time between two eras. It had been a Christian era for so long, 
for a, a millennia, you could say. And then you have the breakdown with the Protestant Reformation. You have the breakdown with the Enlightenment period. And now we're living in post-modernity, secular modernity. And we're seeing the, the unraveling of our own culture. Before I go on, I want to, can I, I'm going to share with you one of my an insight from one of my favorite philosophers. The uh, I think it was the, the greatest Catholic American philosopher of the last century. His name is Alistair McIntyre. He taught at Duke. He taught at Notre Dame. He has a wonderful book called After Virtue, and it's all about the great tradition of the virtues uh, that had held society together for so long and how we've lost that tradition and where we are today. And in the last paragraph of his book, he says this. It's very fascinating. <laughs> he says, you know, we're basically living in the time of, of Benedict, but we're not, it's not as if we're waiting for the barbarians to come. No, the barbarians are already ruling over us. <laughs> now, what does he mean by that? He doesn't mean barbarian, you know, like people that don't have good manners or good etiquette or whatever. What he's talking about is people that aren't educated in the tradition of the virtues, that aren't trained to look at the world with a Christian mind, to see our lives, to see the world around us with a supernatural lens to realize that the most important things in the world are the things we cannot see. The angels, the saints, the real presence of the Eucharist, the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, the spiritual battle between the demons and the good angels, and we're being caught up in that battle and the choices we make every day. That's what really matters. But our secular world just jettisons all that, just sets out the sides as, oh, that's just religion or that's just your own private personal beliefs. And, and so we have many people that are trained and highly educated. They may have master's degrees, law degrees, MBAs. They may have PhDs. They may be ruling in the Senate, ruling in Parliament, ruling in the White House. They may be ruling in Hollywood. They may be ruling in big tech in Silicon Valley and be millionaires, billionaires. So they're, you know, they might be dressed in a nice you know, coat and tie. You know? uh, and, and so they don't look like barbarians. But what McIntyre is saying is that but they're, they're the ones who are influencing society. They're the ones who are shaping the culture. These are the cultural leverage points, the universities, the government, Wall Street, Silicon Valley. These are things that are often influencing culture to a, to a great extent in our world. But those influencers themselves are not trained with a Catholic mind. And they're, they're not trained to see things as Christ sees them. They're not trained to value what, Jesus values as most important. They're trained to focus on just what we can see, not, not the supernatural realm. And, and so they end up making decisions, maybe through no fault on their own, that would be the best interpretation here, um, but they end up making decisions that influence the culture that are like the decisions a barbarian would make. So does that make sense? So this is McIntyre's point here at the end of his book, After Virtue. And so he says that, you know, so we have all these influences, these leaders on, on economic, social, political, educational fronts, media, entertainment, all these areas of, that shape culture are being, uh, th those areas are being shaped by people that don't have a Christian mind. And so they don't see what really matters most in life. And they will end up leading us into pathways that are not for our good and, and, and not for our, our true happiness. Doesn't mean that they're all evil people. I'm sure that there's some people that grew up in this world that they just think that this is what the best. So I'm not making an evaluated judgment of those people themselves. We could have an interesting conversation about that another time. But but right here, I just want to highlight that, that they're not coming at this from the perspective of St. Paul or St. Augustine or St. Thomas Aquinas or St. Benedict, as we've been talking about. And so what Alistair McIntyre says at the end of this book, he says, we are in need of a new kind of Benedict. That's what we need. We need a new kind of Benedict. 
Pope, Pope Benedict said it was there at Subiaco, that cave in Subiaco, where Benedict retreated from the world a little bit. He took one step back from the world. It was there at, at, at the cave of Subiaco that Western civilization was saved. Why? Because Benedict dared to not live according to the mainstream ways of this world. He dared to live a different kind of life. How about you? Are you willing to really live differently? And I mean more than just, oh, I go to mass and I believe in God and I'll listen to a good Catholic podcast and read a good Catholic book. I, I'm talking about more than that. I'm talking about more than just, oh, I, I avoid mortal sin. I, you know, I, I, I follow the teachings of the church. No, I'm talking about more than that. I'm talking about, is your mind really shaped by the gospel? Do you have a real supernatural vision for life? Do you value what Jesus values really? Do you really run after what he values most? Or are you taken in by the entertainments, the amusements of the secular world, of what Instagram says is most important, what Twitter says is most important, what CNN or Fox News says is most important? What's really shaping your mind and your heart? I, I think Benedict, again, has so much to offer us today. Here, I'm going to offer a couple practical points. So we're going to bring this all together. If we want to live a true Catholic life in the midst of a secular age, if we want to really build a good Catholic culture for our parish, for our communities, for our own homes, for our own families, we need to do a few things. First thing, foundational, we have to have the humility of St. Benedict, his humility. What do I mean by that is Benedict was, was humble enough to admit that the culture around him in Rome affected him. Benedict didn't say, oh, yeah, I know there's a lot of stuff happening here in Rome, but it's not, I'm okay. It's not a big deal. The culture doesn't influence me. I could look at them doing that. I could watch this. You know, I could listen to this and be in this conversation. It doesn't affect me. Benedict was humble enough to recognize the truth that the ways of the world affect us. We're fallen human beings. We have original sin, so we're more prone to the ways of this world. And the ways of the world are powerful. He did not underestimate the lure of the world, its honors, its glories, its pleasures, its comforts, its standard of success, its view of love. The world has very strong opinions about these things, the secular world, and, and they're constantly saying it. This is what beauty is. This is what a successful human life is. If you want, if you want to say you're, you're a successful man, you're a successful woman, you have a successful family, this is what the world tells you. Your kids have to be in a million activities and dress perfectly for their Christmas picture, and your house has to be great and immaculate. That's what the world says is, is holding up as, as a standard of success. This is what love is. That's what the world is telling us. Love is, is sex and pleasure. Love is romance and all the feelings. It's not the hard work. It's not the staying up at night with a baby. It's not laying down your life to sacrifice your own personal preferences to serve your spouse. No, no, we're not going to talk about the cross. So the world is constantly selling us on a vision of love, a vision of happiness, a vision of success, a vision of beauty. It's constantly selling us on these things. And we would be quite foolish to be proud and say, oh, it doesn't affect me. I could watch that series on Netflix. Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me. Or I could keep scrolling on Instagram. It, it, it doesn't affect me. Or I could just take in all these, all these doses of my, the latest conspiracy theory I'm interested in, and I'll just keep reading about it. It won't affect me. Benedict was humble. He humbly recognized the world around me is very enticing. I'm a weak man. I will start 
gradually to lose my faith. I will start to not be faithful to Jesus if I keep taking all this in. So again, I want to be clear, we're not all called to be like hermits, like St. Benedict. I want to be clear, I'm not saying that. But I think we can learn a lesson from him. I love that image of St. Gregory again, that he had one foot in the world, but he took one step back. What's the step back that God is inviting you to do? Where is he inviting you to pull back from the ways of this world? Are you too attached to what people think about you? Are you too attached to like wanting to have a good reputation and wanting people to like you? That, that's the ways of the world. That's not the way of Jesus. Are you too attached to wealth? I've got to have enough wealth. I've got to have enough savings. I've got to have enough uh, finances, a nice house, a nice car. Are you too attached to those things? And we say, oh, I'm not, I'm not like one of those, real, you know, like the Kardashians and, you know, I'm not that rich and all. Well, no, 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 we're not talking about that. But are you too attached to having the latest device and the latest fashion and the latest uh, streaming service? Do you have to have all these things? Is there something there that you're attached to? Are you attached to a certain title that you need to have or a certain promotion, a certain salary? Are you attached to the, the praises of this world? That you, that you have to be recognized. What, what are the things that the, the ways of the world seduce us? You know, think about what faith really is. The great St. Thomas Aquinas tells us faith is a habit, a habit which makes the intellect assent to the things that cannot be seen. Remember that supernatural vision that the things that we can't see are the most important in the world? The, 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 the number one event in the world. It's not the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's not the World Cup. It's not what's trending on Twitter. It's not what's the latest news story. No, no. The most important event in the world was God becoming man in Jesus Christ. Period. <laughs> it just is. That's what shapes everything. And, and, and his life should be the standard. When I look at everything, I'm evaluating it by the cross. That's the most important thing. It's the things I can't see. It's what Jesus came to do. It's the grace in our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit working through the church and through the sacraments. It's the, the sacrifice of the mass, the gift of Jesus to the Father made present at every liturgy. It's the real presence that dwells within us in Holy Communion, the real presence that stays in our tabernacles. That is more important than anything else going on. Do I have the habit of faith? I'm sure every one of us as Christians, we would say, oh yeah, I believe in all these things. I believe in the creed. I believe in the Eucharist. But do I have a habit? Do I have a habit where my mind is always seeing what matters most, the things that can't be seen? And I value that more than all of the worldly allurements. So what do we do? First, let's do the things that point to the supernatural. We go to Mass. We take time for prayer. We do the liturgy of the hours. We go to Eucharistic adoration. These are things, you know, it looks like a piece of bread, but no, that's God. And that's why I'm going and spending time with him in adoration. <laughs> yeah, so so that's that. those are great habits. So I'm putting habits that, that, that I can't see, but I know that when I go through these ritual words and ritual actions, that God is really here in the most powerful way. So I go to mass. I take time for prayer. I go to adoration. Uh, I, I take the, the Sunday, I, I set apart Sunday as the Lord's day. It is the Lord's day. It's not my day. It's not my time. It's the Lord's time. So that's why I set aside my work on that Sunday. I'm not doing all, all my work stuff. I'm trusting in him and his care for my life and providence, but I'm giving him the day. I'm giving him the day in worship. I'm giving him the day with some extra prayer. I'm giving him the day by loving my family or my friends and spending extra time in leisure and fellowship. But I'm not just treating Sunday as like an extra day on the weekend of just stuff to get more, a day to get more stuff done. 
It is the day of the Lord. I consecrated him. These are things that Christians could do. We live very differently on Sunday. When someone looks at your life on Sunday, can they tell you're a Christian? I don't mean just by you going to mass on Sunday. I'm talking about the rest of the day. Do you live differently on Sunday? The early Christians stood out for their observance of sanctifying Sunday. That's another way to build that habit, to value the supernatural more than the things we can see. Uh, a second thing we could do is read read things from that the read things that that set your mind on Christ, that elevate your your heart and mind to God. Do you fill your mind with the true, the good, and the beautiful? Do you read about the saints, read the scriptures, read things that set your mind on the supernatural, on the things you can't see. That that's a wonderful thing to do to fill your mind with that. And then maybe a third thing related to that is deny yourself the things that distract you from the supernatural. You know, whether that's uh, our screens and our devices. And I want to be clear, nothing wrong with watching something. You know, we, we just watched the European qualifications for European soccer for their big uh, tournament coming up next year. And it was fun for the family to watch that. We said, so we'll watch a good soccer game. We had a tornado pass through our town uh, just uh, earlier today when I was recording. <laughs> and and so we, uh, we we watched the news to figure out, do we need to go to the basement? Yes, we need to go to the basement. Okay, so, you know, there, nothing, I'm not saying all the media is bad, but in proportion, am I spending more time watching ESPN than I am spending time with the Word of God and with the catechism or with the saints? Do I spend more time scrolling through Instagram than I do filling my mind with the truth in the scriptures, in reading the lives of the saints? It's a question of proportion. Do I put first things first? Because if I want to be like Benedict, I need to take a step back from the world. That's the lesson from Subiaco. I can't just like, oh, I'll just be a Christian. I'll go to mass and I'll pray. I'll go to Bible study. And then I'll just, you know, you know just follow social media stuff like everybody else does. Or I'll, 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 I'll go to mass and I'll take time for prayer, but I'll, you know, just focus on money like everybody else and building my career like everybody else. Uh, I'll go to mass on Sunday. I'll volunteer at my parish. I'll be in a small group. But then I'm going to emphasize in my life, I'm going to be so distracted by just trying to build up my own career because that's what the world values. What, what is it that I am, am valuing the most? Do I value what God says matters most? Do I value the supernatural? The world needs new Benedicts. Let's be new Benedicts. We don't have to be hermits. We don't have to go and you know find a plot of land in the middle of nowhere and separate ourselves from the world. That's not all of our calling. Probably most of us are not called to do that. But we are called to take a step back from the culture for ourselves and for our families to build a true Catholic culture in the midst of an un-Catholic world. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to learn more about St. Benedict and learn more about the other saints and the wisdom they have to offer us, you can check out my new study called When You Pray, A Clear Path to a Deeper Relationship with God. You can find out about this new study at ascensionpress.com slash when you pray. There's a free video. You can watch the trailer. You can see Subiaco, the sites of St. Benedict, see the cave where he prayed and lived for those three years. And, and, and that's where the turning point in the history of the world was, was right there. A key turning point in the history of the world at Subiaco. You can see it there at and that little trailer. You can also just get the book that I have called When You Pray, Trust, Surrender, and the Transformation of Your Soul. You can learn more about the video and the book at ascensionpress.com slash when you pray. You can use these for yourself, your own personal devotion and enrichment. Or if you have a men's group, a women's group, you have a marriage group, a Bible study group, you could check that out as well to go deeper in the tradition of Catholic spirituality. So again, ascensionpress.com slash when you pray. That's ascensionpress.com 
slash when you pray. Thanks for listening and God bless.